welcome back into Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. We are joined by a show favorite today. Joining us, we have writer and director Lenny Schwartz, as well as cast member and actor Gordon Dell, who are part of Daydream Theater Company and Rhode Island Stage Ensemble's presentation of Pussy Hanukkah Comes to Harlem. It's playing September 14th through the 16th and 21st through the 23rd at 8 p.m. at Beacon Charter High School for the Arts, which is at 320 Main Street in Woonsocket, Rhode Island. You can get your tickets and more information by visiting ristage.org. Gordon, welcome to Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. Lenny, welcome back. Welcome home. Good, good to see you. How are you, man? <laughs> I am Thank great. You. I'm so excited to see your faces. So excited to have you back and to have you back talking about this great show, which we kind of touched on the last time you were here, but now it's 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 happening. It's being fully done. Pussy Hanukkah comes out Harlem. I'm so excited to be to be talking more about this. So why don't we start by having you, Lenny, tell us a little bit about what this show, Pussy Hanukkah Comes to Harlem, is about. Well, I mean, this was this is a my first comedy I've done in like six years. And the big thing was I, I said, you know, I want to do something that's just fun, that doesn't have anything too serious, too too many uh, serious themes. So I said I started doing some research about some different things that could happen in the world. And I found a phenomenon that, that could actually happen is that the, the, the Earth could stop spinning at any moment. It really could. Like, it, like the, the gravitational fields could stop. There's a whole phenomenon thing about this. And I said, that is such an interesting concept. And I said, well, what if, what if, you know, the thing that's actually making the Earth spin is the hate and the, you know, people's, you know, the offensive nature of people's, you know, comedy almost and, and what people find offensive. And what if that's the actual Greece? So it, it's basically about a futuristic society that says that, that the Earth is stop, stopping its spin, and they have to hire uh, two canceled uh, comedians from the 1980s to teach people how to be offensive again. And that was the whole concept of it. I said, that's just the simplest concept I can ever come up with. I love, doing, I love when we write and you tell people this boiled down concept, and it's just, this is what it's about, and kind of like see where the, the, they kind of explore where that humor comes from at that point. It was... Yeah, I, I loved it. So I wanted to, I couldn't wait to get started on it, actually. So where did you come up with the idea to write this particular show? As you said, it's the first comedy you've written in a while. Well, I did want to. So I've been trying to write a comedy since, believe it or not, I announced this show happening, supposed to happen in February of, I'm sorry, uh, February of 2020, actually, just before the pandemic. And then the show got pushed to April. And maybe about 2019, September, I, I just, I had the title but I didn't have the actual concept of the show. And I, and I just didn't know where to go with it. And I was like, well, what do I do? I had another show that was ready to go. And I said, I want to kind of focus on that show kind of and see where this goes after a while and let this marinate. The idea that really kind of stuck out to me is the pandemic. If the pandemic didn't happen, I wouldn't have the, the show the way it is. Mostly because, mostly because when we did the pandemic, there's all these serious things that happened in the world and all these you know horrendous things and all I kept hearing from my, my friends were from theater. It's like, I can't wait to do, get, get back and do theater. And I can't wait to do, go back and do theater. I can't wait to do this. And, and then theater started coming back again. And all I saw them doing was the same stuff. They were doing, you know, the odd couple. They were doing the same tried and true chestnuts. And people were just kind of going back on their phones. And people became even more miserable and in the world. And they kept doing this. And I said, what if, what if the reason why we see the, the, the pandemic happen 
you know, we, we, people's lives were saved, we'll say. And what if it was all for nothing, just for people to go back in their phones, for people to, for basically crap, for basically to, to do things and just to redo their, to redo theater and not do original shows. You watch Broadway, it's all IPs now, it's all these things. Basically, the gates came right back up. The gatekeeping happened at that point. And I said, well, that would be a very interesting concept. We saved, we're going to save the world for, for basically this, you know? And what if that was the case? And I said, that's really ripe for comedy. So I wanted to kind of explore that a little bit. And then we got to it and it's like, wow, this, that's kind of where the script ended up. And we can comment on that too. And I think that any good comedy has that kind of little bit of social commentary to it. And I wanted to put that in there. But really put it to an extreme. <laughs> really put it to an extreme. <laughs> well, Gordon, I want to bring you in now. And I want to find out how did you come upon Pussy Hanukkah Comes to Harlem? <laughs> I had I I was in the audience for Lenny's previous show and we were talking in the parking lot afterwards because Lenny and I have known each other for a long time I've just never actually worked with him as, as an actor under his direction and we were talking in the parking lot after the show and you know I I had seen the title of the show but I had no idea what it was about so I said please you know just give me an elevator pitch which he did, and you know, just two sentences, and I was like, okay, yeah, I'm gonna come audition for this <laughs> because, because this sounds like a wild ride, and and let me tell you, it has been. It certainly has been. Wow, I love that. Well, well, kind of building on that, Gordon, I want to know what has it been like developing, you know, your role. Remind me again who you're playing. I'm playing a man by the name of Dixon Manchester. He's one of the two canceled. Well. One is a comic. I'm I'm a playwright. Yeah. But we were both canceled uh, for being offensive, and now we've been recruited back to teach the world to be offensive again. <laughs> and reading reading through the script, there were a lot of phrases like laughed maniacally and stuff like that. So I said to Lenny at the first rehearsal, I was like, "How crazy do you want me to get with this?" And he said, "Make me rein you in." <laughs> So from that point, I just, I, I was off the handle. I was, I was doing every weird thing that came into my head and about 90% of it ended up in the show. Yeah. And, and that's what's really been fun too, is that this play does explore that, you know, and it's been great work with Gordon. One of the things that I didn't mention that, that came up there, it does not only lampoon, but it does show like, like theater people. And I think, that to me was you know it really savagely eviscerates them and i think that was part of the fun you want to eviscerate them with love you know <laughs> but you eviscerate them and if you're going to do it do it so i think gordon was very game for that and that's why oh, we yeah. so so perfect the cast the whole cast has been like game to eviscerate 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 and it's it's been great i mean it's been it's like i like to say it's like almost like you know people like oh i like noises off but i've never liked noises off i like the the technicalities of it but i like the idea what if noises off was like just dipped in poison, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> dip it and dip it. And like, you know, you just, like, just put it in there and yeah, and just put a knife through inside. Yeah. It's just something. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Now, is this the world premiere of the show or, or has it been performed elsewhere? It's definitely the world premiere. It may be the last time it's ever been seen too. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if we open September 14th, who the heck knows if we'll make the 15th, you know? I mean, let's be honest. 
I mean, I'm pretty screwed here, man. You know, it's like, <laughs> I'll be honest. I'm not, <laughs> we might not make the, we might not make the 14th. I don't know. You know, it could happen, you know, but no, we will probably, we'll at least make the first 30 minutes, I think. Yeah. <laughs> this is a very producer's outlook, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it's a, you know, I'll put it this way. I mean, I'll be very honest. I mean, if, if, if you know, if it gets cut at, at the end, at the, at the September 14th, we'll find a space. We'll probably get cut from there too. And we'll just keep going until we find a space that produces it. Well, when, when I've been promoting the show, I've been calling it both outrageously hilarious and outrageously offensive. But yeah. if, if you couldn't tell that from the title, then that's not my yeah. fault. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I was kind of yeah. going to lean into that because in the press release I got, I mean, in in full capital bold letters, it said, this is not for children. And I kind of want to ask, you know, given we've, we've discussed how funny and offensive and obviously it's not for children, but is there a message or a thought that you're hoping audiences still leave with from the show? You know, if I had any thought of anything like that is just, I think that I believe it or not, I think the, the big thing is to show is, is creativity. I think that the idea for me is, you know, is that you can create something that is, you know, for yourself, you can create whether it's art, whether it's a world, whether it's whatever you want to create. I mean, the show is about finding those things for yourself and actually finding what that means for you. If that was a message, I think that's it. And I think also the thing is, is that maybe, you know, as, and maybe the other message is we, I think people have also gotten a bit too serious. I think I agree with a lot of it. I agree with a lot of the things that people say about, you know, the world being, you know, you know, and I agree with all, you know, inclusion, everything I agree with 100%. But I also think that we've lost the ability to kind of laugh at each other and, ha and poke fun and actually just have fun. You know, and instead of instead of just putting up this, this wall of seriousness that everything has to be so ordered and has to be so so everything. And I think that's kind of what the show cuts through. And it kind of cuts through that 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 stuff and says, hey, you take a look at looks at people and says, hey, this is this is it's OK to laugh at this. It's OK if somebody slips up, if it's as long. I, I, I always like to say as long as it's, if the intentions behind it aren't evil then there should always be an understanding. And I think that's what the show, the message has. I hope people can see it past September 14th, but you know, you know that's what it's about, guys. <laughs> if you leave if you leave the show half hour in, that's what the show is about. No <laughs> refunds, no refunds. <laughs> Gordon, what about you? What is the message or thought you're hoping the audiences take away? Well, I, I definitely agree with what Lenny was saying towards the end there, which is that, you know, we're we're everybody's taking everything so seriously these days, and we really need to not only find more levity within ourselves, but also within each other. We we really need to open up channels of communication better, and you know, just accept people uh, for, for who they are a little bit better, and just you know, take take everything not quite so seriously, not not quite so personally, and just live your life and have fun and you know that's that that that's what this play says to me is it, it it really is about opening up and being honest and being fun i love that two great answers on that so that's wonderful <laughs> <laughs> well my last question for this first part sure. we've already kind of answered part of it but it's who do you hope have access to the show so obviously no kids we don't yep. want them to have access to the show, but who who do you hope have access to the show? And Lenny, I'm going to start with you again on this. So I think anyone, I think anyone, I think everyone and anyone who wants to come. And you know, I, I actually hope, and I and I and this is going to sound terrible, 
in, in so many ways, I hope I hope people like it, but I don't care if they like it. Honestly, it sounds terrible. I'm not being I'm not being a jerk about that. But I, and I, if they if they don't like it, that's okay. That's valid. And I and I hope that people who don't like it come. I hope people who do like it come. And I hope I hope they're at least talking about it. At least saying, hey, you know something? I did not like your show, and here are the reasons why. But actually talking about theater rather than standing up and applauding and actually doing something. I, I mean, if they hate it, great. That's fine. Again, no refunds. But um, <laughs> but that's the thing. But I, I think what ends up happening a lot of times, and I think I've almost gotten away from this a little bit for myself with theater. And maybe I have it. I don't know. But I, I think that a lot of times we go to see theater and it used to be challenging. It used to be something that was, that was actually, that actually, you know, you went, you had a discussion, you had a meal, you talked about it. Now it's like you have committees who are, who are just, putting together something so you know to every moment that you're watching us has been manufactured through something and i i i, I you know and whether or not you like that or not it's it's so i don't know it's so it's so controlled and i, and I like the idea of having something that, that's actually kind of not controlled you're going into something you're saying hey you know what i like that show and here are the reasons why or i hated that show so i just hope that people come and that they they're not complacent that's what i'm hoping for yeah. And Gordon, what about you? You know, honestly, I hope people who will be offended will come and will learn to get past <laughs> being offended. I know that's not realistic, but it's still a hope. You know, it's like it's because this is this show is for those people. It's 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 for the people to maybe have a little critical analysis of themselves. You know, it's like, uh, you know, this, oh, oh my God, they said this and oh, I'm, I'm so offended. Yeah, but why? You know, please, please, that, that's what I want. That's what I want people to take away from this is if, if you were offended, please ask why of yourself and give, give yourself that little self-examination and say, you know, this, this was intended in, in the lightest of hearts so why am I taking it so badly? So it, you know, it's it's one of those really, you know, I've I've got I've got a bunch of friends coming, and I know they're all gonna they're gonna laugh and laugh and laugh, and they're not gonna be offended, but they're not the ones that I'm trying to get through to. The ones that I'm trying to get through to are the ones that are gonna huff and puff, and I want to say, look look inside yourself and ask yourself why this. Is. second half let our listeners get to know you two a little bit better and let me of course we've had you on our show now twice so i'm going to start things off differently this time i want to ask the two of you how did you come into the performing arts well can i make something up yeah i mean look it's the truth to me because i don't know any better so oh good well what happened was i was the truth is and this is just so years back i was a frail child and what ended up happening was I was in three consecutive bad car accidents and I had nothing to know. This is bull. That's bull. Not <laughs> <laughs> to go with it. Honestly, this is, this is actually true. I always wanted to write stories for the longest time when I was really young. I always wanted to tell stories in movies and film. Had no idea how to. So I started writing a, I started writing a play and I figured I was in a math class. 
had to take over a summer to, to get to college. And I hated the math class so much that I started running dialogues. And maybe I can do this while I'm in college now because I'm in college. It makes sense. And I figured, why not give it a shot? And then they, the college actually produced the show. And it was like, wow. And I knew nothing about theater. And there's a lot of things that were really wrong with the show. But then I got really interested in the idea of construct uh, script, uh, script construction and all sorts of things and how they work. And I studied, and I was literally reading three plays a day at one point for years. And I'd just be like, oh, for years, I'd be writing at least one play a day or, you know, finding out, reading books, how they built, how they built scripts, how they build these things going. And I just got fascinated with it. And I, I, the thing is, I actually, this is the truth. I actually not a huge fan of directing, believe it or not. I, I'll direct, but I, and I do enjoy the process, but I love the writing process so much more. Myself, I just, I just love the idea of creating something out of nothing. Out of, and that was always my thing. And it just started flowing and I started knowing, you know, where, you know, where things were going. I mean, some people, I started finding that it was so weird because my very, it's kind of turning back into this again. My very first scripts, I just peeved people off. Like I pissed them off so badly, but then they would come back and I'm like, oh, why are they coming back? You know, this is amazing. I do stuff like Kung Fu Baby. So like, we hate the show. And then they come back and do another one, you know, and I see it again. And this became really kind of fun. But I always want to tell stories that went in different places. So that has always been my thing. I direct the shows because one part of me says that nobody else will direct them. The other part of me says I want to see them a certain way. So I have to do them. And that's, that's, I have to see these stories told no matter what. And I know that nobody will put the time in directing wise, unless somebody would, but that I wouldn't, I know I, I would put in to make the show work the best I can. That's why I tell stories, basically. That's yeah. actually true. <laughs> <laughs> but the three car accidents were really bad, let me tell you. <laughs> Gordon, what about you? How did you come into the performing arts? I can pinpoint it exactly. It was in high school and we were reading the Scottish play, actually. And everybody in the class had to do a, an assignment. And it was our choice. You know, we, we could do a diorama. I'm like, high school diorama? Seriously? Do, uh, you could write like a, a, a paper or you could do it. I don't remember what all the options were. But one of the options was that you could memorize three of the soliloquies and perform them in class. And I was the only one to take that, that option. And it was one of those things where it just, the, you know, I got bit. I got bit by the bug. And when I went to college, a I was, I, I'm actually a, in IT. I have a degree in computer science. And so I was in that track in college. And a friend of mine wanted to go to an audition. And she just wanted me to go along for like moral support. And as is often the case with community theater, there's never enough guys. So the director said, will you please get up an audition? And I'm like, I'm just here for her. He's like, no, please get up an audition. So I did, I got the part, <laughs> he, he cast me and it was, it was, you know, it's just, it's been a crazy ride ever since because then I got involved with the Rhode Island Stage Ensemble and I've been here for, I don't know how many years, quite a lot. And I've just learned, I've picked up every single discipline save one. Stage manager is the only thing I don't do, but I've done everything else. I've done tech, I've done playwriting, directing, acting, but uh, yeah, it's, it, it, it can easily be said that the, the, the theater bug has bit me well and true. I love <laughs> that. Have either of you seen any great theater lately that you might be able to recommend to our listeners? I, I actually was just in New York a couple of months ago, and I saw the, uh, the Sweeney Todd revival with Josh Groban, and I saw Sleep No More. And for anybody that hasn't seen or heard of Sleep No More, 
I cannot recommend it highly enough. It's it's a really interesting experience. Very cool. For, for me, I actually, believe it or not, I don't go to much theater, not anymore. <laughs> I, I believe it or not, I, I hate to say this, but most time I go to the theater, I, I look for the exit sign as quickly as possible. It's not any anything that I just have so many things going on in my life right now. It's been so insane. I the things I love to see. So I think what I'm going to end up doing is become a philanthropist and retire early and then go see a lot of plays. I think that's what's going to end up happening because I just I I haven't seen I like to read plays. I mean, I like to do things. I, so I just get I sit down, the lights go down. And I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, God. And you're looking you're waiting, you're waiting for something, you know. I love, though, when I ha- I, I usually have that. I, I've had that experience, but a lot of times when I go to see theater, when something grabs me and I'm like, oh, God, I get out of myself, but I'm like, jeepers, that to me is something that is a truly remember- memorable theater experience. And I've, ha- I've had that happen. I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah, but I, never with any of my shows. Well, I like your shows. <laughs> the funny thing is Gordon does direct, too. And I actually, I will say Gordon directed in his musical composition. I mean, his musical direction is some of the best musical direction. I will say this freely. It's some of the best music direction i've ever seen in a show and i don't even say that without any not because he's sitting right here but your music direction is freaking amazing i sat there Thank amazed you. he did the show he did in the spring so sondheim sometimes a little, 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 little my music how many interest uh, how many instruments five he did with five instruments little wow. music, and it was so i was listening to the music direction like this is excuse my language but it's stunning it was probably one of the most i mean honestly it was i will say this that, yeah. I, I I said to the, to the artistic director here, I said, can you just pay him to do every music direction of every show? He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, everyone have him do. It's not that it's not that music directors are bad. It's that, and this really impressed me too. This is what I mean. This was an unexpected thing for me. I'd never seen his musical direction before. But I see musical direction, and I'm not putting, again, I'm not putting anyone down, but there. I watch it, and it's always kind of the same. Here we're going to do it. Here, this is his character. His has pizzazz. It has like actual thought to it. It's not just a musical composition. It's like they do. It's not putting this together. The direction he's thought it through, and I actually said, "What is? What's my stamp on this?" And I love that. So thank you, and thank you. But we're not here to talk about my show. That's what I love about Andrew. That's what I'm talking about. That's the type of theater I like. But I'm telling you, thank you. I'll say that freely anyway. Very true. Well, building on everything we've kind of talked about, I now want to ask my favorite question to you two, which is, what is your favorite theater memory? Or Lenny, in your case, what is another great theater memory for you? I'll be honest with you. My greatest theater memory was the last show we did right now. Well, actually, there's two of them, actually, I could say that that really stuck out to me. The last show, well, the first one would be the Ditko show. I'm, I'm actually directing. I'll tell you about that in a bit. It just hasn't stopped. Like, I started writing the show in 2016, and it's still going on. Like, we still have, like, things coming from that show. I think that's one of my favorite memories, that and the Bill Finger show, because so many memories have come from that, and so many things besides theater have come from that, too, and so many things from theater have come from it. But my, I see my favorite memory that kind of trumps them all right now is the last show we did, which was uh, Dramatist Persona. We did, a, we did a show, it was about, about the local theater community and, and an individual who committed very egregious acts against a lot of people in the community. And people from the community came to see it and they wouldn't shake my hand. They looked at me with disgust. I thought that was the best moment of my life, actually, because literally I gave them an, an honest reaction. I thought that was fantastic to me. And they, some of them just side-eyed me. I'm like, this is great because... You know, or they gave me, or people came up to me and said, "Hey, I this is I have stories for you," and it really did something that I felt like there was a point at that and during that show where 
yes, there was a lot of things that came from that. But I also feel when I wrote, I felt like that kind of pushed something that I was doing into another place. And I thought that was great. And I love that. So I, and I'm always trying to push forward and try to get to that next thing, uh, whatever that might be, whatever that next thing I'm going to learn. So that was a very good memory. Love that. <laughs> Gordon, what about you? I don't know that this is my favorite or best memory, but I will say it is one of my most vivid and it is one of the ones that made the biggest difference was when I first decided to learn the art of directing, it was with a friend who was directing a chorus line. And I said, could I please be your AD and just shadow you and you know learn, learn the trade? And so we went through the whole audition process and she showed me all of her prep notes and everything. And so I was with her every step of the way through auditions and then once rehearsals started and then about two weeks into rehearsals, she had to relocate for her job. And so I had to become the director on zero experience for a chorus line, one of the biggest shows of all time. And so, yeah, that cast walked all over me. That music director walked all over me. That court, that choreographer walked all over me. I had no idea what I was doing. I remember endless phone calls with my best friend, with my boyfriend at the time, with Laura, who had moved away. With you know, everybody was saying, "Just quit the show. Just quit the show." I'm like, I can't. I can't just quit a show. And when it was all said and done, when it was over, and let me tell you, it was the rockiest of rocky roads. The first time. We had the entire cast on stage at the same time was opening night. We had call outs throughout the entire rehearsal process, tech week, everything. It was one of the worst theater experiences I've ever had. At the show, I had audience members coming up to me asking me if we were a professional touring company. And that was when I was like, okay, I guess I can do this. <laughs> and so it's like I said, the, the, the show itself was a nightmare from beginning to end, but I still love the show. I actually kind of want to direct it again now that I know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's it, it's one of those things where it's just, you know, I, I it, it's kind of like I want to revisit my greatest failure in my perspective. You know, obviously the audience has loved it, but. I perceived it as a failure. I want to revisit my greatest failure and see if I can't turn it into my greatest triumph. That's amazing. Wow. What a story. What great memories from both of you. I love that. <laughs> I, I, I love the two different, I, I guess, tales there. So thank you both so much for sharing those. Thanks, yeah. Ben. Sure. Are there any other projects or productions that you have coming down the pipeline that we might be able to plug? I I don't even remember what else Bryce is doing this year. Oh yeah, well I can tell. I mean, there the, the theater company. So I stepped down as as their uh, chairperson of the board. So we're, they're doing Adam's family coming up. They're doing oh gosh, they're doing Elf. Myself, I will tell you the one thing I am doing. I'm exhausted thinking about it. I have a show opening here. We have a one night show right after the show ends on. So this show ends on September 26th. And then, I'm oh, sorry, the show ends on September 23rd. Uh, Pussy Hanukkah does. September 26th, I'm doing a one night only show of Ditko here on a play I did. I wrote and directed Ditko. I'm taking a cast of eight to Pennsylvania, actually, the week after. 
So October 1st, we opened a show in Pennsylvania about Steve Ditko. And we're part of a Ditko con. Yeah, so I'm, I'm taking a full-length show, 90 minutes, with with eight actors across state lines, and it's going to be great. <laughs> Isn't that illegal? No, no, that's well over 25, I think. Transporting actors over state lines. No, but so I have another show. <laughs> a full show opening. I'm, I'm actually doing two rehearsals at once right now, and I'm just kind of thinking about it. I'm exhausted, but... We're getting there, and I'm also <laughs> I'm also directing a film too. That show's actually in really good shape. But I'm actually directing a, a film too, which i The Haunted and the Haunted, which I'm on day 17 of filming, and we have another eight to 11 days filming. That will be done by the end of this year, beginning of next year. Very cool. Yeah. And, and and I work, so it's a lot of fun. It's been a good time. <laughs> I'll actually be in New York for Comic Con this year too. Well, finally, if our listeners want more information about Pussy Hanukkah Comes to Harlem or about either of you, perhaps they'd like to reach out to you, how can they do so? Oh, they can do so through Facebook, uh, Leonard Xavier Robert Schwartz. I'm on Instagram. You know, they can, you know, they can send me a message. I'm on Twitter, but whatever it's called now, I don't go on that thing, but you can send a message. I'll probably get it in like five years. So if it, if you do, <laughs> hello, you know, and I think that's, yeah, I'm, I'm on uh, TikTok, but I don't really do much in TikTok because- I don't know. What the hell is it, right? Anyway, so Facebook and Instagram. Uh, Leonard Xavier, Robert Schwartz, and uh, Lenny Schwartz without an N on Instagram. Come find me. Follow me. We'll have a good time. Yeah, and I'm too old for social media and too private to care. So I have a, I have a Facebook account, but I'm not the only Gordon Dell on there. So how they're going to find me, I don't know. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, send, send all Gordon's correspondence to me. I'll make sure he gets in the about five years like i trust you <laughs> I <know. laughs> well gordon lenny thank you two so much for taking the time to speak with me today about this hilariously offensive <laughs> timely entertaining show i i really appreciate you taking the time to speak with me i i really just i can't wait for the show this is fantastic <laughs> Well, thank you, sir. I'll be in touch. I'll send you a script, too. I'll, I'll make sure you look at it and go, like, oh, God, what have you yes. done? <laughs> I yeah, but we've, can't wait. We've updated the script with so many improvs. Oh, yeah, you'll enjoy it. <laughs> oh, my gosh, yes. All the more reason I might have to hop on the train up to Rhode Island. You know, Excellent. I need an escape from the city. But Yeah, when you, when you come on down, we'll save you a seat. Just come in, you're free of charge. I'll get you soda. Oh, thank you. My guests today have been the writer and director Lenny Schwartz and the actor Gordon Dell, who are both part of Daydream Theater Company and Rhode Island Stage Ensemble's presentation of Pussy Hanukkah Comes to Harlem. It's playing September 14th through the 16th and 21st through the 23rd at 8 p.m. at Beacon Charter High School for the Arts. And that's at 320 Main Street in Woonsocket, Rhode Island. You can get your tickets and more information by visiting ristage.org. And we also have some contact information for our guests, which we'll be leaving in the episode description as well as on the social media posts. But if you're in the Rhode Island area or just need a reason to get out there and spend some time in the beautiful fall, head over to Woonsocket, Rhode Island, head over to ristage.org and get your tickets now for Pussy Hanukkah Comes to Harlem. September 14th through the 16th and 21st through the 23rd. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones, unwrap your candies, and keep talking about the theater in a stage whisper.
Thank you. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. Our theme song is Maniac by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you will find all the information about our backstage pass as well as our tip jar. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you.